Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Prudential. Prudential believes life is filled with moments that test our courage. Their podcast, Everyday Bravery, celebrates those moments with stories to help you face your own challenges. Subscribe to Everyday Bravery now, wherever podcasts are available. This podcast was recorded live in the Grammy Museum Experience Prudential Center, the first and only experience of its kind on the East Coast, located at 165 Mulberry Street, Newark, New Jersey. For tickets to visit the museum, please visit www.grammymuseumexp.org. This is Leaders Create Leaders, and I'm your host, Gerard Adams. This is a podcast showcasing today's change makers who dedicate themselves to creating the best tomorrow possible with vision, with hustle, and showing up world-class. They offer advice, they offer lessons, but most importantly, they offer you their mentorship because leaders create leaders and leaders are the ones that are impacting our world. It goes without saying that being a strong entrepreneur requires tenacity and focus. Hustling to achieve your dream is not an easy process, but over time, Seeing your hard work and goal setting come to light is the ultimate payoff. On Leaders Create Leaders, we found a few voices whose journeys not only delivered them to their goals, but has taken them to new heights, impacting the next generation. Andea Taylor is not only the founder and editor-in-chief of the award-winning digital publication BrickCityLive.com and head of content at Clover, she is also a local hero, covering the local developments and insights in and around Newark. She's also earned the Lars Eric Nelson Prize for excellence in reporting and writing and gives talks on local journalism with profiles in New Jersey Spotlight, Media Shift, and other outlets. It was an honor to speak to Andea someone whose work in journalism and writing has enriched what it means to stand as a creative who approaches their craft as an entrepreneur. The audience got to witness the behind the scenes energy and essence that it takes to not only start your own platform to distribute your content, but to leverage it for future crucial endeavors. Please give a warm welcome for Andea Taylor, everybody. It is an honor to be here. I have followed Brick City Live ever since I decided to come back to Newark and really help be a part of this ecosystem for entrepreneurs and just seeing someone that I feel is really being a leader, showcasing all the stories as a local here, I know is not easy. And you've been someone who's been a pioneer at that here in the city. And there's obviously so much that's happening here that's exciting. So why don't we for a second just go into, you know, who is Andea Taylor? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure, so uh, I was born here and raised in and around Newark. My family's been here. I marked the fourth generation and now we have a fifth here. But I've also been lucky to be able to travel the world. Um, And I think I do have a worldly perspective that I bring back home and it's something that I want to continue to do and explore. Career-wise, my career has always followed two tracks, so I've never done just one thing. I think you heard in the intro, I run Brick City Live, but I'm also head of content for another company. When I went to journalism school at Columbia University, I was also working full-time. The first startup I ever worked on was while I was doing my first job, so I've always done two things at once, and I think that duality is just kind of part and parcel of how I approach the world. 
I think I was almost born a writer. My mom can attest to this. Oh, there she is. Hey, mom. Yeah, shut up, mom. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, when I was a little kid, I loved to read. I became a news junkie, not in the most noble way. When I was in high school was when the Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky impeachment scandal was happening. And that's actually how I got into news. I would watch Meet the Press every Sunday to find out what the latest was. But after that experience, I actually started to become very interested in politics, policy, newsmaking. And that's kind of what got me into the news world. But I think that my profile as a person who likes to build and create things is something that I discovered a little bit later in life. But when I made that discovery about myself, that came on really strong. So I read that in 2008, Barack Obama, um, his election really inspired you to become a journalist. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about that moment in your career? Yeah, so um, like I said, I've been a lifelong writer. Um, Most of my writing focused on sort of academic writing. Um, When I was in college, I thought I wanted to become a professor. I was a history major, so I focused a lot on, you know, history um, and not on what was happening currently with my writing. The election of Barack Obama inspired me Honestly, because I was jealous of the journalists who got to cover it. It was this amazing historic event. It was the singular event. I actually remember, my mom could probably, <laughs> my mom can attest to this. The night before Barack Obama's inauguration, we were all sitting at home and I was watching CNN and I was just like beside myself, jumping out of my seat, wanting to experience this historic moment. Wow. And I called my mom and we called the auntie and we called God mommy and we brought my little brother along and we drove down to DC and in large part because the news making around this historic moment was just galvanizing and I could not sit there. So that election happened, you know, early November, 2008. I applied to Columbia maybe a week later with maybe three weeks to go in the application process. So that that sort of connection was very direct in terms of inspiring me to want to fulfill this dream wow. of being a journalist and, and covering historic events. Um, the thing that's interesting is I went to journalism school thinking I wanted to be a national political journalist. I really didn't care much about local news beyond what I kind of the basic things I needed to know to be a responsible citizen, but I was a sort of national news junkie. And it wasn't until I got to journalism school that I actually started to not only care about local news, but think it's something that I would want to pursue as a vocation. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a um, really, that was a moment that I think you know, obviously shaped history. And that's like, there probably couldn't be a better catalyst for you in your career Indeed. Um, for that to happen. So um, how did your experience as a black woman in corporate America shape your journey into entrepreneurship? Yeah, so, um, wow. So <laughs> I spent most of my career in corporate America working for startups. So actually, I'm not even sure if I would call that corporate America. It was more like startup America. Um, I worked in sort of Silicon Alley companies in New York City, you know, companies where I was the 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th employee. And the nice thing about that was that I got to be very close to decision making around a business. I got to see people make mistakes and thrive as business owners. And that is part of what helped me to understand that it was possible because it humanized entrepreneurship and business owners and, and business in general. Um, but the thing that was tough about it was that, you know, there were a lot of instances, I actually would say this characterized my career, where, you know, it would be hard to get people to work with me. It would be difficult to get people to believe that I was capable. You know, I was always striving for stretch assignments and never chosen for them. And so two things happened out of that. One was that I learned to be extremely self-reliant. 
I actually learned a lot of skills on my own because I would have a hard time getting people to work on my projects with me. Um, And so like those skills that I learned that felt a little menial when I was working full time, every single one of them I used when I started Brick City. But the other thing that sort of built up to me starting Brick City was pure anger. You know, by the time I got to my last role, and I'll say the company was that I was at Bitly, cool company. But at the time, you know, the person who brought me in, there was a CEO and a general manager, two great guys. Within four months of me joining that company as their head of content, they had both left. The company didn't really have any leadership. And, you know, the folks that were there were quite terrible to me. And, you know, I'd already had the idea for Brick City. It had already been percolating. But I kind of it was a, a situation where I just walked in and left and walked in and quit one day because I was so angry at how I was treated. I was so angry that I didn't get the opportunities that I thought I should have. And I thought that, you know, I might have to start my own business with no resources. But the one thing I knew that I would do for myself is give myself the opportunity to stretch and see what I was made of. So those are sort of the two pieces. And I think those are universal ideas that anybody can relate to. Being underutilized, not being believed in, feeling like you can do a little bit more. I think entrepreneurship is a really good way to stretch into those ideas about yourself and what you're capable of. While the idea of BrickCityLive.com began as a fundamental necessity for Andea to actualize so many wants and desires as a journalist, there were important steps that needed to happen before she can begin a powerful platform for local coverage and news. For that reason, I thought it was pertinent to ask Andea, how did she spin her background and experience working for others into lessons on working for herself? And what were some things that took practical experience to realize about entrepreneurship? You have to really become your own cheerleader. Like you have to work on your mindset every single day. And, you know, it's not easy. You know, like people glorify entrepreneurship, obviously, because, you know, the destination is attractive, right? Mm-hmm. You have, being your own boss is somewhat attractive. But talk to me a little bit about the reality of it and how you shaped your mindset as an entrepreneur. Yeah, I think, you know, the cheerleader part came easy to me because, you know, when I left, it was I, I'm, I'm leaving because I can do this. Mm. The thing that is a little bit tougher that needed more cultivation was being your own disciplinarian, being accountable to yourself in the same way that you would be accountable to somebody that you walk in and report to. Right. That was the piece that took some work. And also on the flip side, being kind to myself, you know, looking after my physical and mental health while I was pursuing something so doggedly. So you have to create your own framework for how you're going to exist. The way I think about it is being an entrepreneur is the most human project because you're approaching entrepreneurship as yourself. And you have to take care of this body and mind that is interfacing with your business as yourself. And so those were the things, you know, I have had moments where I've kind of gone maybe a little bit too hard. I have had moments when I've been a little too easy on myself and calibrating that was the the mindset and the discipline that I had to really develop as an entrepreneur. And I think it's a good life skill whether you're starting your own business or not. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about why Newark. I mean, I'm excited. You're here. Brick, you, you launched BrickCityLive.com, but you really went niche, right? You're like really are focusing specifically around Newark. So yes. why Newark? Being from here helped. And honestly, it was a little bit by happenstance. Um, so like I mentioned before, I went into 
journalism school with the mission of being, you know, White House correspondent. You know, if I had projected out 10 years from where I was, I would have been, you know, April Ryan shouting questions at Sarah Sanders in the Trump White House or something <laughs> like that, right? And I discovered quickly that that's not what I wanted to do when I went to journalism school. The Newark piece happened because uh, at Columbia, and I would imagine this is the same in any other journalism school, your curriculum is based on local reporting, right? You have to practice being a journalist. That's the only way to learn. And the only way to practice is to be a journalist in places you can access. Mm-hmm. I lived in Newark. You know, my career was in New York City and my social life was there, but when it came time to do journalism, I thought Newark would be the most interesting place to do it. And this is back in 2008 when, you know, all the things that we're talking about and seeing now, a lot of them were still ideas. But I started doing stories as assignments for class. And I started really reaching out to my friends on my block, which is right around the corner. I live like a five minute walk around the corner. But on my block, there was my building and there was one spot on the block called the spot. And everybody, like, you know, I met a lot of people there. And it's like every other day I would go in and there would be somebody cool or interesting who was working on something cool in the city from all walks of life. Teachers, artists, entrepreneurs. And so when it came time to start doing stories for school, Those are the people that I tap to tell their stories. And as I became more tuned into local reporting, I realized that I was constantly scooping, you know, other publications. Nobody was telling these stories about these people who were striving to make their city, create their city, make something better of their city and make something better of themselves. And I did that for two years at Columbia. And when I left, I just did not want to stop. Initially, I actually had a completely different entrepreneurial idea for journalism that I'm shocked that it actually has not been done yet. So I'm not going to say what it is because <laughs> this is a room full of entrepreneurs and I don't want anybody to take my idea. But, uh, <laughs> you know, when I left... It's about execution now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I know how to do that. Right. So, <laughs> so when I left, initially I wanted to work on that other idea and I started pitching these stories about Newark all over the place and nobody would accept my pitches and nobody would publish my stories. Wow. And I had a, a mentor at the time a gentleman by the name of Paul Steiger. Paul founded a a publication called ProPublica. It's a Pulitzer Prize winning publication. He founded it around 2006, I believe, or 2008. And he said to me, have you ever thought of starting your own publication? Um, And I had been thinking about the idea at the time, but this man was, you know, 70 years old. He had been an editor at the Wall Street Journal, at the LA Times. This man knew what he was talking about. And for him, a person of his stature in the journalism world to say, the stories that you want to tell are good and you should consider going independent was really a nice piece of validation that inspired me to really take it seriously and, and start the site. And so that I think that was really the genesis of Brick City. And uh, the rest is history and it's still forming. Most businesses require a lot of brainstorming before entrepreneurs can attempt to bring an idea to life. However, Andea's journey as an intrapreneur already gave her an idea of what she wanted to work on. And yet, this advantage still reveals it is important to realize what can be gained before starting your own business. We got to ask Andea about the way she's accomplished her missions of success attached to her career experience. I'm the head of content for a company called Clover. Clover is a piece of technology. You know, it's, it's a point of sale system that small businesses use to run their business. You know, in and of itself, there's nothing particularly inspiring about the piece of hardware. But in my role as a storyteller for small businesses or as a person who's trying to instruct small businesses of how to sustain themselves, there's so much inspiration to have in being able to 
help people who are, you know, this is how they're feeding their families, this is how they're feeding themselves, this is something that they wanted to do so badly, and helping inspire them or instruct them in how to sustain. And so in my day job, that's the thing that I latch onto. I just had to listen out for it in order to find it. Before that, I was working in, you know, I would say kind of an ugly world of advertising technology. Um, how, it, it, you know, that was a little bit harder to find a purpose for. But what I latched onto there was advertising technology is something that allowed people to have access to information online for free. And that's something I can get behind. You know, I'm behind people having access to information. That's the sort of cornerstone of our democracy. Now, I want to take it too far and say that ad tech and democracy are the same thing. But that was the thing I was able to latch on to to keep me going. And so you have to quiet your mind and find it. And if you can't find it, that's a moment to be honest with yourself as well about what you're doing. Our conversation with Andea felt so natural that we almost didn't realize that we were running out of time. So we shifted our conversation to some interesting foundations. You see, in most creative platforms, there's only a talk about the content. We're going to get into what kind of lessons need to be learned on the business side of things, like managing a team and, of course, making money. (laughs) Who said anything about making money? (laughs) Uh, So... um, Well, A, like you heard from my biography, I have a full-time job, so I make my money elsewhere, and that's been true for four out of the five years. So I, like I told you, I I quit in a fit of peak, you know, pissed off, left, and so for the first year after Brick City, I worked on Brick City full-time with no job, and then I went back into the workforce, and that's actually worked out well. In fact, I've had two jobs since then, and I got poached from one job to the other because of Brick City. A person, you know, the person who wanted me to head up content for Clover, knew about what I was doing with Brick City and said, hey, do that for our company. So that was cool. So taking myself and, you know, taking myself, I always joke that Brick City couldn't afford me if it tried. So like taking myself out of the equation helped. You know, Brick City is a bakery. We're not like a scalable business. So, you know, we're not going to get VC funding. So, you know, I was honest with myself about what our economics look like. So that's A. B, the thing that's distinctive about Brick City is that You know, the question of not only how, but whether you can sustain a hyper-local news site is still an open question. I'm convinced now, five years in, looking at the numbers, that we can. Um, You know, we have a plan and a model, and we're just, now we're just filling in the the variables, so I think that we can, but that wasn't always obvious. So there were a couple things to that. One was the job part, and and kind of taking myself out of the equation while I experimented. So this is more of like a kind of like a side hustle, you still, still had your income coming in? so that you can build this on the side. Exactly. But the other was, A, acknowledging that, you know, the ground is shifting around questions of hyper-local news. You know, studying, learning. You know, I, from the very beginning, committed to putting myself in conversation with people who were doing this in communities all over the country. And I do that, you know. And so, you know, I go to conferences. I have colleagues. You know, I talk to folks who are doing this in Atlanta, in New Orleans, in Detroit, in Flint, you know, out on the West Coast. And I learn from them. And then I also teach. So, you know, I study our own business models, what works for us. And I kind of do a learn by teaching models. I do talks. I've done, I've published about our models. I've published about our experiments. And I see it as an experiment. And, you know, so, you know, it's not like a business that's fixed is let's try a series of models and experiments and then let's put together the configuration that's going to work and build a business. And so that's still a project that is forming. But I really am convinced that we can make it something that is sustainable. You stuck with it, which is really, really admirable. 
So we always hear about, you mentioned this earlier, your physical health. We talked about spiritual health. Yeah. You know, when you're stepping into this entrepreneurship, you have holistic health, mental health, physical wellness, but we don't really ever hear too much about financial wellness. What kind of personal planning is required when you're bootstrapping your business? And, and how do you think about financial wellness? I think about it a lot because I think it, it's tied into all of the other pieces that you talked about. So, I mean, I talked in kind of rote terms about the fact that I kind of have a job on the side. Well, not a side job on the side. I have like two big jobs, you know, both of these pieces. But in addition to that, I think, you know, well, two things. One, I've said like three times that I left in anger. If I had to do it again, I would have started planning for Brick City the minute I got out of journalism school and even while I was in it and started having the provisions necessary to be able to sustain me so that I could either do it that first year that I did it more comfortably. Right. And just, just quitting yeah. and going, you would have way more out. comfortably with a lot more peace of mind with like a plan ahead of time. I didn't have that. I walked out. Uh, did you have a budget? Did you think through the financials? I, I did have a budget. I did think through the financials. I will give myself credit for that. I actually had like five or six kind of freelance writing and content strategy contracts that lined up and every single one of them fell apart. However, if I had done better planning, you know, 18 months, two years or even longer ahead of time, those things falling apart wouldn't have meant so much to me. So I think like if you're going to plan to do something and especially if you're going to plan to be out of the workforce for a minute, giving yourself some time and having the patience to plan properly is important. I, you know, I'm actually going through that cycle right now. Um, so, you know, I plan to actually cycle back out of the full time workforce again um, sometime in the next, let's say, 12 to 18 months. But now it's a little bit different because I've been thinking about that for the past however long, you know, I've been working and most acutely since the beginning of the year. And so not only am I thinking differently about my financial planning, but I'm thinking about how to leverage the resources at the company that I have right now, the contacts I'm making, how I engage with people, how I'm going to exit, that'll actually benefit me, my business, my financial health after I leave. So planning is important and so are you know, leveraging the relationships that you have to accrue to your business and your goals. Before we left, I was able to ask Andea something that few entrepreneurs have the opportunity to even ask themselves. How do we shape our future? We get so complacent in the process of trying to find a good normal routine to keep up that we forget to strive for our ultimate potential. The work of an entrepreneur, after all, has no end. So five years from now, I am editor-at-large of Brick City. I'm somewhere else in the world and I might swoop in, you know, every other month, once a quarter, and, you know, give a little pep talk and leave. I have replaced myself as editor. Someone else is making a full-time living as editor of Brick City. We'll have two full-time reporters. I think we could like completely kill it, crush it with that type of staff. And then we'll have like a small army of well-paid freelancers. We'll have a community person. We'll have a business development slash account director and maybe like a, a side technology person. So I know what the staff looks like. Nice. Um, in terms of what they're doing, that remains to be seen. One of the things that I'm aware of, especially when it comes to publishing and going back to your question about being mission driven. I stopped thinking about Brick City as a website a while ago. That's what it looks like now. But I started thinking about like, what is the goal of Brick City and what is it here to accomplish? I see it as Brick City is here to make people smarter and more informed about their city. And that can take all sorts of forms. That can be events. That can be connecting people with jobs. That can be, I mean, that can, that can be, you know, 
social. There can be so many things that we do that are kind of still in the publishing arena, but that aren't necessarily publishing words on the website. That's not to say that that's ever going to go away, but I think we can be more expansive about how we approach it. And so five years from now, I have no idea you know, what those opportunities might look like. Um, and so in five years, we're nimble enough and smart enough to be taking advantage of whatever those opportunities are to help inform people and make them smarter about their city. Well, your story is unbelievable and you're making so much impact here in the city and just, you know, your story is obviously um, extremely inspiring to so many. So everybody, uh, give a round of applause. Thank you, Andea. Well, leaders, that's our show. Again, special thanks to our sponsors at Prudential and the Grammy Museum Experience Prudential Center for their wonderful help in bringing the Leaders Create Leaders event series and podcast to life. Make sure you go to lclnork.com. That's lclnork.com for more details on where you can find this episode and many more exciting things to come, especially some of the future episodes that are about to drop. This Leaders Create Leaders. We'll see you next time. Sponsored by the Prudential Insurance Company of America, Newark, New Jersey.